I mean, I, I love music, obviously. That's why I keep doing it and why I've chosen a career in it. But also, you can do music in a lot of different places in a lot of different ways. And I kept coming back to Blue Bear because of the community. That was Blue Bear School of Music's Little Bear's director, Tennessee Mowry. I'm Jeff, and this is Storied San Francisco. In this episode, we meet Tennessee, as well as Blue Bear executive director, Stephen Savage. Stephen tells us his life story, leading up to his move to San Francisco in 1971, the year the school was founded. It's a journey that begins in the greater LA area, travels to Ohio briefly, then makes its way up the California coast, through the peninsula, and eventually to the city. Then we hear from Tennessee, who was born and raised in San Francisco. Surrounded by music, thanks to his dad and his stepmom, Tennessee eventually took classes and later became a teacher at Blue Bear, where today he wears many hats. First up, here's Stephen Savage. I am. I do have my PhD in musicology. Um, I don't really use that uh, honorific very much, but one of my board members said, you need to put Dr. Stephen Savage on like the website and stuff into my email because it's more impressive. So, mm-hmm. um, But uh, actually, I had a wonderful time going back to school and, and getting my PhD, and um, I do teach... Uh, I'm an adjunct part-time professor at San Francisco State. Oh, yeah. And I teach musicology there. Okay, well, I mean, I don't know how far to go back, but um, I was born in Los Angeles, and my parents, uh, one of them came from Laramie, Wyoming, and one of them Mm. came from Akron, Ohio, but they met in L.A., and um, I was born in Los Angeles, but when I was one, we moved to Pomona, which is a a suburb. Mm -hmm. I lived there for 12 years, and then I lived in Claremont. My formative years, junior high and high school, were in Claremont. And um, when would that have been? Like decade or well, I graduated high school in '66. Got it. So that's uh, that was my whatever that was. So late '50s, late '50s, yeah. I was a a child of the '50s as a kid and then an adolescent and a teenager in the 60s, which was a pretty exciting time. Um, 66, 65, 66, my senior year in high school, it was all happening. It was all starting to happen. In fact, I saw uh, one of the, I don't know if it was the first or the second Rolling Stones concert in Los Angeles. We drove into LA for that. I saw Bob Dylan... uh, Half acoustic, half electric oh. in Santa Monica with the band. That was a controversy, uh, wasn't it? When he went electric, it was what a lot, a lot of people didn't like. That a lot he of was people going didn't electric. like it, but at that point, I mean, that the folk festival had already happened, and mm-hmm. there had been the backlash. And I think the people at this concert were wanted to be there, and right. they weren't unhappy about him being electric. Yeah. Um, I remember a few things about it, and I found a recording of it online recently, and a few of the things had happened. Um, were on that recording because I remember when he came out to do the first set he like he was a little shaky and he banged his guitar against the mic stand and and you can hear that on the recording but um, that was an incredible show and I've been a huge Dylan fan my entire life and um, what age were you when, uh, about the, when you were so going I to think these I was shows 17 probably when I saw him toward the end of your Stones. high school time yeah it was my senior year in high school it was wow. in 65 wow. that I saw both the Stones and Dylan. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. Was there ever a question you talked about, like, you know, that's when rock and roll was really, really taking off. Was there ever yeah. a question for you of like being a part of it? Like, or was it just like, no, I am going to be part of this well, whole thing? Well, I mean, I, I really, I came to music fairly late. I started, my first instrument was banjo because of the Kingston Trio and the Limelighters. It was nice. the folk period. I was yeah. going to the end of the folk period. Um, and actually my banjo teacher was Mike Stewart, who later formed the band The We Five okay. that had the one one hit, You Were On My Mind. They were one of the one-hit wonder bands. Anyway, um, and then when I was 17 and I fell in love with Dylan and with rock and roll and the Beatles and the Stones and everything, it's when I took up the drums. So I didn't actually start playing drums until I was 17. Okay. Um, and at that point... My fate was pretty well sealed. Was like, had you had any, you know, prior to that, music classes or any? All I'd had is banjo lessons. Yeah. That was really all I had. And my mom was a singer, and um, she sang in the temple choir. Um, and she was a big music person. I listened to, a, uh, you know, we were huge musical theater. I know all the early musicals. And Nat King Cole, she, I think she was, when she was a teenager, she was one of the, Teenagers that screamed on at uh, uh, Bing Crosby. Who was yeah? Well, but who was the big heartthrob back then? It wasn't Bing Crosby. It was Frank Sinatra, of course. Okay, Frank Sinatra. Uh, yes. <laughs> anyway, that's all. So that was. So I grew up with a lot of music in the house. But she was a singer, and uh, she loved Nat King Cole and Frank Sinatra and a lot of the crooners. Mm -hmm. um, but mostly, we listened to all the musicals, Sound of Music, and Oklahoma, and um, I think I still know all those songs by heart. <laughs> and when you say listen, you're talking about listening to records at home. Listening to records, that's yeah. right. Um, although we did also, they had a subscription to the um, you know Broadway shows in Los Angeles. So we saw, I saw a lot of those shows live. I remember seeing West Side Story um, when I was, I don't know, probably 10 or 11. And wow. It was very impactful. Yeah. Did, at that early age, though, did you ever see yourself being a not necessarily a musician but like a performer of any sort not, just not so happen. much and I still have never seen myself as much of a performer which is I think why I became a drummer because you sort of hide behind the drums in the back I've never been really comfortable as a performer okay that's, and that's actually leading to my next question which was you said you, you had some banjo lessons but then you decided to that you wanted to play drums exactly was that why Probably. I don't think yeah. it was that conscious of a decision. Right. But, um, you know, uh, having been around music and music education my entire life, I've many, I don't know, probably hundreds of times asked musicians why they play the instrument they play. And it's almost always the same answer, which is, I don't know. Yeah. I was just attracted to this instrument. I just wanted to play the saxophone or I wanted to play whatever. And... So there's a natural affinity, and I talk to a lot of parents, too, that say, you know, what should my kid play? What should I start my kid on? And I always say, just ask them just what they want to play. They what, it's what toward. they yeah. want to play. Yeah. If they really don't know and really don't care, then you should start them on piano. Okay. <laughs> but otherwise, they should play whatever they want to play. That's okay. what it's all about. I like that philosophy. Um, so you're playing drums. You're you're still in high school, right? Yeah. Toward the end of your, were you playing already with friends or 
doing band well, stuff? No, or? no, I was okay. really just learning that senior year in high school, and then I went to college, and um, the first day or second day, um, there was a another freshman out on the lawn with his guitar playing Dylan songs, and uh, he's still one of my very best friends. Nice. And we ended up having several bands together and um, playing a lot of music together. So it wasn't really till college that I started playing in bands. With other people. Yeah. Where, uh, where did you go to college? I went to Oberlin in Ohio oh, yeah, yeah. for a year and a half. And then I had never been east of Las Vegas at that time. I thought I was going back east, actually. Right. But it turned out that Ohio... It was a great school, but it was the sleepiest possible place right but we did go into cleveland sometimes um i saw the blues project i saw a bunch of bands in cleveland if i can quote spinal tap here big rock and roll town cleveland. <laughs> yeah right exactly <laughs> it is well that's where the hall isn't that where the hall of fame is i was just gonna say it is there where it the is. rock and roll yeah. hall of fame yeah. is now yeah. so um then i transferred to uc santa cruz and and basically played in bands my professional debut was at the catalyst in santa cruz nice the original catalyst so Great club. And what year was that? That would have been probably '69. Okay. Yeah. What were what was the band called? It was it was called um, Safe Cure, which was kind of ironic because we were pretty much the opposite of Safe Cure <laughs> at that point <laughs> in terms of abuse. Yeah. <laughs> what did you? What was your experience? Did you? We were you like immediately loving it or you know what did you take away from that i mean i loved it i loved music i loved playing i loved playing live although we were um pretty rudimental um but um yeah it was like bass guitar drums singer yeah it was a two guitars it was basically the beatles okay rhythm guitar lead guitar the rhythm guitar player who is my friend that i met at oberlin and he had also moved out to California, and he was the singer. He's a wonderful singer. He's still a wonderful musician. Mm-hmm. Um, Tennessee knows him a little bit, I think. Jim Tepperman. Oh yeah, yeah. So, um, so then I, I basically I was like a year and a half in Santa Cruz, and then I moved to Palo Alto, um, and lived with a friend of um, a friend of mine from Oberlin's younger brother was going to Stanford. And I moved to Palo Alto and lived in the garage with him and a friend of his. And I played in a band um, that was all Stanford students except me. Okay. Um, and that was that was really more um, my real professional experience because we became we were like a frat band. Okay. So we played frat parties. So you know we learned a lot of material and we were getting paid. Um, original we, writing original music no, or okay. No, it was all covers. All covers. Got it. Uh, and we were called Big Money and Electricity. Okay. I love it. Uh, and then, actually, the, the two brothers that started the band, Wolfgang Strauss, that started the school, one of them had been a Stanford student and knew me from Stanford. And he called me and said, we're putting together a band in San Francisco and we need a drummer. And um, that's how I came here. And, that's, and, and they had already decided to have a music school to, in order to survive until the band became famous. Okay. But they hadn't opened yet. They hadn't opened yet. They had, when I joined the band, they had rented the place on Ocean Avenue. I was the last member. They had, a, they, Richard was a keyboard player and Steve was the guitar player and they had a bass player. And I joined the band about 
two months before we opened on Ocean Avenue. And that would have been... 71. So June of 71 June. is when we opened. Okay. So oh, I, literally this month is 50. It, yes. Okay. And you moved here maybe in April or so. I, exactly. I moved in, in that spring of 71. Were you conscious at the time that your, your journey, I mean... There's the one detour to Ohio, but like you're kind of inching your way up the coast and coming very much grew up a Southern California kid. And now you're almost in San Francisco and there's that contrast. Totally. And They're diff I, very know, different places. Very different. And I, I was a kid of this child of the suburbs and I mm -hmm. never lived in a city. Mm -hmm. I remember back when I was at Oberlin, we took a trip. Jim and I took a trip. Well, we hitchhiked to New York. Um, and I remember... Being in New York City, I was probably 18 years old, and being scared to death. Okay, it was like, whoa, this is where am I? And mm -hmm. this is like so overwhelming. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, it took me a while. So then I was in Santa Cruz, Palo Alto, and then I came to San Francisco, and I was ready for the city by then. I was 23 when mm -hmm. we started spend mm -hmm. the school, and um, uh, but and I and I I was ready for the city and I loved the city. But it was it was very different, and I never wanted to go back to the suburbs. Do you want to? Uh, I, I kind of want to end your part on some of your first impressions of the city and where did you live when you first yeah. moved, moved here? When I first moved here, I lived at Twenty First in California. Oh yeah. Uh, I've lived all over the city uh, in just about every neighborhood at one time or another. But um, that's where we were living, and it was a bunch of us. Um, and I, I mean, we were just raging hippie kids, you know, so we were like, uh, do you know this song? It's an Iggy Pop song called, it might be called The City. Anyway, it's a, it's, it's his sort of his impressionistic vision of being in the city. And that song really reminds me of what my experience was in the city. And it was it's like... This is my playground. This is my world, and uh, you know we would be hanging out at North Beach until three a.m. Yes, just it was. Do you want to name drop some places y'all would hang out? The, where we would hang out? Yeah, well, and especially North Beach. Yeah, North Beach especially. I think um, that's where the action was. That's where the clubs were then. Savoy Tivoli. You know, it was before South of Market and right. Slims and all of that stuff that came later. Um, so. But and we would hang out in the hate too. That was still happening, and there there were uh, some clubs there. Um, and you know the the school was down on Ocean Avenue, which yeah. is sort of in the weird corner of the city. Mm -hmm. but, um, and we were we were all over, but we were also exploring the city. I didn't know the city that, that really not at all at that point. So mm -hmm. and then after while we was while we still had the school and still in the band. Uh, Richard Strauss, who's with the keyboard player, is still a good friend, um, and is on the board at Blueberry. We moved to Knob Hill and lived there for quite a while. Lived in Noy Valley a bunch. Then now I'm an East Bay boy. Okay, that's what happens. I lied. One more question: How would y'all get around town? Cars, um, bus, we. Cabs. I I had a car. I had a bug, an ancient nice, bug, nice. Um, which. Got stolen in front of the school one time. Sure. Um, it got stolen, and later that day, I mean, we called the, reported it. 
Later that day, I see it driving down Ocean Avenue, and some kid is driving it, and I run out there, and I catch up to him, and I get in the car, and and he says, he basically says, I don't know, somebody gave me this. (laughs) I mean, it was a a worthless car. So I just let him go. He left. Um, But so I I had a bug, and and the the school, the band had a van. Okay. So we used that a lot. I didn't do the buses much back then. All right. Well, I think we got you up to your. You moved here, and you're, y'all are about to start open the school. That's right. So, okay, we'll switch over. I was born in San Francisco. Okay. Uh, I was born at San Francisco General. Um, my parents had met a couple of years before in the city, although they were both at Wesleyan at the same time. Oh. Which is very interesting. They didn't meet at all there. Right. In fact. Uh, my mom was dating someone who lived on the first floor of my dad's house when he was living on the second floor, and they still never met. But, hey, whatever, they found each other in, um, in San Francisco, and mm-hmm. they were only living in the city for a few months after I was born, and then they moved to Marin. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to school in Marin. Through high school, my parents split up. My dad moved to the East Bay. He moved to Point Richmond. Oh, yeah. Um, I started taking my so my dad is quite musical he plays piano he's played in bands for most of his adult life um, my mom's side of the family has a lot of music in it although my mom is not a musician herself it skipped her generation well yeah not even her generation just like just her <laughs> just, just her. her yeah she likes to sing but you know, i'm sure she's got other great qualities she has so many great qualities <laughs> we can't all be musicians no that's right yeah. but yeah there was like a concert pianist in Vienna, you know, a couple of generations back or whatever. Oh, wow. There was some music there for real. Yeah. And um, so my dad and my mom had split up. My dad had a piano in his house, and I was taking classical piano lessons there from about age six to age eight. And I, this will be important later about my my uh, my philosophy about teaching. I didn't like it. Okay. I didn't like what I was learning. I dropped piano. Okay. Um, I dropped the lessons. I stopped. And if I didn't love music so much, and if my parents didn't, my dad and stepmom in particular didn't play a lot of music, that would have been it. That would have been the end of my journey. But it wasn't. Um, They had a piano still, even though I wasn't playing anymore, because both my dad and my stepmom played. um, There was a book of Beatles songs, Mm. uh, a fake book of Beatles songs, so I could play the songs I liked, play the chords I liked, and like sing the words. And I had learned enough piano at that point to play some chords, and if I was having trouble with something, you know, my parents would come over and say, okay, like, actually, to make it a major chord, just shift your one finger like this. Mm. Okay, great. Cool. And then they, they knew I didn't really like the lesson thing, so they would leave for mm. 45 minutes after they had said that and just sort of let me figure it out. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I got pretty good at the piano. Mm-hmm. And then I became a teenager, and I picked up the bass and the guitar and a number of other stringed instruments, started playing the drum kit as well. Just, and a lot of that happened at Blue Bear. Um... Right, because you were a student. Yes. Okay. Um, so my stepmom, Susie, is another huge reason that I'm uh, as musical as I am. She was touring with a lot of quite famous acts in the 80s. Um, she was on tour with Mick Jagger. She was on tour with Prince. She was on tour with um, Billy Idol. These sort of big names. Was she with Prince on the Purple Rain tour? She was. She was with Sheila and, and, and what did she? Yeah. So, um, and what did she do in that? She in her played capacity? keys and sang backups and might have played some acoustic guitar. Okay. So I must have seen her because I saw Prince 
You were you were uh, you saw on that tour in Seattle. Oh yeah. my gosh, that's so cool! At Reunion Arena in Dallas, Texas, on January first, nineteen eighty-five. I so I've seen your stepmom. You have. She had huge hair, and she was um thirty thirty-five years younger. Right. <laughs> so was I. I was in fifth grade, and they smoked my first joint from like the nosebleed oh seats. God. I didn't care because it was Prince and yeah. and Sheila E, and I was like. I'm in heaven right now. That's awesome that, and not just the Prince part, but all the all the other yeah, people so that she, she was touring with. That's well, amazing. She she's really good. She's yeah. really good at music, and she's got an incredible ear, like great performance chops, and sort of knows all the tricks of the trade. And was teaching a blue bear. Okay. Um, she and Bonnie Hayes had started up the summer camp program because each of them had teenagers that wanted to play in rock bands, and there was nothing like that for us anywhere in the Bay Area. Right. Rock band land didn't exist yet. All of these other sort of, I mean, School I think... School of Rock over in the they, mission. Yeah, yeah. The, none Not of these yet. were there. This was in 2004. Okay. 2003, 2004, something like that. Had you played with other people yet before you I came to school? I had a band in seventh and eighth grade okay. where I was playing keys and there were some guitar players, but mostly we just like talked about how we wanted our hair to be long and what bands we thought were cool uh, and like how we could impress girls playing the music and we didn't actually learn a whole lot of music. That all changed when I started taking the rock band classes at Blue Bear over the summer and I was taking classes, I was playing keyboards for a while and then I started playing bass and some guitar and some other stuff and eventually started student teaching and interning in some of the classes, particularly in the songwriting camp. And then um, by the time I'd gone to college and come back, I was actually teaching over the summers. And then I graduated from college and was hired in more full-time capacity, teaching some different stuff, both during the school year and the summer, and then doing some other work around Blue Bear. And I've basically just been... Well, it's very hard for me to have a... Now I have a nice job title. It's very defined what I do, but for a long time I did not have that. And uh, there's a couple of our catalogs where I am the ghost in the machine, officially. <laughs> Whatever nice. needed to be done. Whatever needed Whatever to be done, to be I was done. happy to be doing. Did you, when you first started going to school here, did you like music school right away? or? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, my God. Totally. Uh, I... Well, I mean, I, I love music, obviously. That's why I keep doing it and why I've chosen a career in it. But also... You can do music in a lot of different places in a lot of different ways. And I kept coming back to Blue Bear because of the community. Mm. Um, there was a community of kids that were going to these camps over the summer, and we were all getting better together. We were sometimes playing together over the school year, and we were challenging each other to, I mean, just to get better, right? It was this sort of jockeying a little bit, but also very friendly. And um, that was great. And I got to know the teachers. And by the time I was a little bit older, I knew a lot of the teachers and administrators pretty well. And some of the adult students and some of the teenage students and all of that. And so when I would be hanging out behind the desk or whatever, there was all these friends that were coming in and out of the, in and out of the front door all the time. Mm -hmm. That was really nice. I mean, it was work, but also Fun. it was community. And community. Yeah, 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 yeah. You felt a sense of belonging. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Um, the smell, actually, Blue Bear, the hall, um, that one hall has a very interesting smell. Okay. Um, it's potentially all the burnt cork board that we use in the uh, as the as the soundproofing for all the private lesson rooms, but it has like a peculiar smell that I've never smelled anywhere else. And I love it. <laughs> I love it so much. Smell um, memories. Yeah, totally. Totally. And I got, uh, I mean, you know, it's been the pandemic and I've only been into the school three or four times since March, 2020. Mm -hmm. And each time I come in, I go in the front. Like, yep. Deep oh, well, I'm back. It's yeah. so nice. <laughs> 
that was Tennessee Maori. On the next episode of Storied San Francisco, Stephen tells us all about the founding and 50 years of Blue Bear School of Music, located in the Fort Mason Center for the Arts and Crafts. Part two drops this Thursday. Music for the podcast was produced, performed, and curated by Otis McDonald. Original photography is by Michelle Kilfeather. Aaron Lim of Bitch Talk Podcast is our contributing producer. And the show is produced and hosted by me, Jeff Hunt. Now in our fourth season, we have more than 150 episodes available on our website, storiedsf.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you can, subscribe, rate, and review our show so we can reach even more folks. And if you'd like to drop us an old-fashioned email, we'd love that. The address is storiedsf at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, stay strong, stay healthy, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is a proud member of the BFF.FM podcast network. Learn more at podcast.bff.fm. BFF.FM, best frequencies forever.